really any customer has a good story to tell. It's just a matter of teasing out what that story is. For every person who would say, I'm not really sure that anyone would really care about why we picked Malbec. There is somebody who will hear what it was that you wrestled with, will see themselves and will be like, oh, there is a better way. There is somebody out there who understands and has figured out a way to make my life easier. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the State of Customer Storytelling podcast brought to you by Testimonial Hero, where we're all about helping B2B marketing leaders make customer stories their competitive advantage to hit their goals faster. My guest today is Becky Holloway. Becky is the VP of Marketing at Malbec, and she's the creative voice behind their fantastic brand. Uh, She's a marketing and business development leader who has spent her career accelerating growth in tech, finance, as well as healthcare, uh, with really a strategic blend of content creation, um, as well as a lot of social media expertise and uh, a deep analytical insight. Uh, She's also a Testimonial Hero client uh, as well, so maybe we'll get into that uh, later in the show. Becky, welcome to the show. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. It's a real honor to be here. Absolutely. And just to kick us off, um, you know, why do customer stories matter? What's the, the big deal with customer stories in B2B? So I think that at the heart of all marketing is a story. I think that's why I was um, attracted to this field, even though that is not what my degree is in. I'm, I'm actually, um, I have a, a Bachelor of Arts in English and German, but I think by nature, I'm a storyteller and have always been really attracted to stories. And so I think it was very natural to make that leap from you know, literature and English over to marketing, which is really all about telling stories that connect with an audience. And you're, you're ultimately trying to get that audience to do something, right? To buy some product or um, to choose your company. And in the B2B world, I think for a very long time, we have looked at marketing a little bit differently than in the consumer world. We have treated it as though we were selling to an entity or a company, when in reality, it's people that still make up those companies. And so when you're trying to connect to those individuals, you still need to create an emotional impact for them. They need to be able to see themselves in whatever it is you're selling or marketing to them. And I think nothing does that more effectively than a customer story. So if the the prospect in front of you can read a story or watch a video story that tells uh, a scenario, relays a scenario that they themselves have found themselves to be in, that they've struggled with, maybe a challenge or a pain point or um, something that keeps them up at night, then they can relate to the, the problem at hand better. And ultimately then, hopefully, they can find your solution to be what they're looking for. I love that point you made about having the story that really allows the prospect to relate to the problem. Mm. Let's I want to circle back on that a little bit later, but before we really dive in, tell us a little bit more about 
your background as well as Malbec. Yeah. So um, I got into tech about almost 15 years ago um, by answering a Craigslist ad, actually. Um, I had just, I'd been living overseas for a couple of years in Scotland, had returned to the US right in 08, right as the market was crashing, the housing bubble was bursting and and times were bad. And I, so I answered, um, responded to this ad and somebody gave me a shot. I had no background in tech. I did, I had done marketing and advertising a little bit, but um, I was given a position at a document management software company and the rest is history, so to speak. And I just, I absolutely found what I loved. Uh, the The startup world is so exciting and fast paced and it's uncertain, which for many people uh, sounds like a nightmare. But for me, it was invigorating and it meant that I always had big goals to work towards. And I kind of felt like my fate was in my own hands. So I've been um, doing B2B tech marketing now for quite a while. Um, I'm in the Philadelphia area, um, which you know happens to be a, a great a great area to be in for for tech startups. And um, I met one of the co-founders of Malbec back in I want to say it was 2011, um, so about 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now. And we we were working together at another contract management software company that was not their main product; it was a side product. Eventually, I I moved on, but kept in contact with um, with Matt Patel, who is our COO and one of our co-founders. And uh, when he and and the other two co-founders decided to start Malbec, which is strictly a, a contract management uh, software company, he reached out to me and said, "I need somebody to do marketing. Would you be interested?" And I said, "Yes." Like I didn't even have to think about it. Uh, Matt is such an amazing colleague and friend. And so I've been really fortunate now to be at Malbec for uh, coming on four years now. Um, I started in a consulting capacity and now I'm the the full-time head of marketing, uh, building out a team. We're growing very rapidly in part because of the virtual world that companies are finding themselves in right now. So legal teams do tend to lag a bit behind when it comes to technology um, and our solution primarily benefits uh, legal teams, not the only team, but definitely one of the, the main beneficiaries of contract management software. And um, in a in a virtually distributed world, like we find ourselves, um, legal tech is just exploding with innovation and adoption now. So um, where where other departments may may kind of laugh and chuckle and say, "Wow, you're just getting into digital transformation now." Yes, you know the lawyers they're cautious by nature. What a shock! So they've taken a little bit longer to to come along. So Malbec is experiencing some some pretty amazing growth right now, and it's a very exciting time to be in the legal tech sector. Mm, yeah, it's incredible how you know the whole COVID nineteen situation has been. Obviously, you know, incredibly challenging in many respects, but also has you know provided some real tailwinds depending depending on the situation. Yeah, I know for us, you know, our remote product line that's very much the case as well. Circling back to, you know, you, what you mentioned earlier about you know creating customer stories that really your prospects can identify with. I guess that kind of brings us into the the realm of strategy and. In how to think about a customer storytelling strategy, even you know more broadly, 
I'm curious, how, how do you think about that? And when you go to create, you know, the, the fantastic videos that, that you all have at, at Malbec, you know, how did you figure out who to, who you wanted to feature in the kind of think about the strategy of that mix and, you know, which customers to feature, which stories to tell, et cetera? Well, as I'm sure you have experienced yourself and many of your listeners have, you know, sometimes the customers you go with are the ones that are willing to do the, the testimonial. Mm-hmm, um, for sure. And thankfully, Malbec has been pretty fortunate in that uh, ones that are willing to do customer testimonials have really good stories to tell. Um, so when that aligns, that's that's really good. But I think really any customer has a good story to tell. It's just a matter of teasing out what that story is. I think that, you know, for every person who would say, ah, I'm not really sure that anyone would really care about, you know, why we picked Malbec or why we needed to transform our organization and and begin doing contract lifecycle management in a more streamlined way. There is somebody who will hear what it was that you wrestled with, will see themselves and will be like, oh, so there, there is a better way. There, there is some, somebody out there who understands and has figured out a way to make my life easier. So, uh, you know, I think part of the strategy is identifying the pain points that prospects are experiencing and then turning them into interesting narratives and then, you know, matching that up with uh, customers who are willing to get in front of a camera or, you know, in the case of a written case study, are willing to put, you know, their logo on paper and say, okay, this is, this is us. This is our story. I, I think that anytime you can hear the story from the customer themselves, instead of, you know, a Malbec employee relaying that same story, it just loses it loses power when it's coming from an employee as opposed to the person who actually chose the software. I think it's just more relatable. It feels more real. I love that. And that's, I think, a big trend that we're going to see more of maybe five, 10 years ago, us as marketers, we all thought, hey, let's involve the customer story like later in the sales cycle. And it's more of just like a, a checkpoint. But but to your point, it's like basically anything that, you know, we can say, you know, as sellers and as marketers, you know, our customers can say better in, in a lot of respects. Um, and that sort of, I guess, begs the question is like, well, how can we actually leverage customer content and the voice of the customer you know, throughout the whole buyer journey, right? Not yeah. just even, not just at that like more traditional old school you know, later funnel stage. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that it is an important part of, you know, being deeper in the funnel. But I also think that we are naturally attracted to stories. And so I think it can actually be used pretty effectively top of funnel as well. And I'll, I'll give you an example um, on our YouTube channel. So after we published uh, the first batch of customer testimonial videos with you guys, I used those as the default videos on our YouTube channel. Instead of having like an explainer video or some kind of promo, I said, you know, let's let's put our customers out there with their story. And uh, that was that was a really effective strategy. And, you know, consequently, we saw a really good response rate. 
That's awesome. And were those the, I know, cause we did a couple of different lengths of videos. Were those the, the shorter ones or what did you find there in terms of the different lengths of the videos? I think I did the middle of the road one. So we had one that was like the full length and one that was, you know, maybe like 45 seconds and then the much shorter one. I think it was the the middle one, but I'd have to go back and double check. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And I just want to kind of underscore that for the listeners the further along in the buyer journey, you know, the more you can expect your buyers to pay attention and stick around longer. So earlier on, that is especially when those shorter videos uh, come in handy, just exactly like that. I know you mentioned um, different, you know, written case studies as well. And uh, I'm sure you also do, you know, some stuff with third party reviews. But yeah, tell me more. How, how do you think about the, the different kind of mediums and formats within the this whole kind of customer, customer content, customer story umbrella, I guess, you know, the big, big three of them being, um, you know, written case studies, video, and then review sites. I think that there, there's a place for all of those types of reviews, but I would probably throw in some others. So I actually think one of the most important types of um, reference activity that especially in our space that a customer could engage in is a one-on-one reference call. And I think that that often gets forgotten when we think about referenceability and the continuum of referenceability. So I had a really interesting call a couple of months ago with a Gartner analyst. And one of the things that I, one of the key takeaways from that call was that this analyst said, you shouldn't think of your customer's referenceability as binary, as in, yes, they will be a reference or no, they will not. You need to think of it as being a continuum. And where do they fall on that continuum? Are they more towards the left with an unwillingness to do much activity, if any? Or you know, will they basically do anything that you ask them to as long as they have the time? And so they're much further on the right. So what we've been working on doing at Malbec is really building out what are the tiers of referenceability that align with sort of the different phases of that continuum? What are the types of activities? You know, So maybe on a very low end of referenceability, it's just them being willing to follow your LinkedIn page. Or maybe it's they're only willing to do a private one-on-one reference call for a late stage prospect who's about to sign a contract. So it's really private. Nobody's ever going to really know about it. But some of that activity could still have a pretty significant impact, especially when you think about those one-on-one reference calls, which are often kind of that final checkbox for many companies. So we, uh, we've really built out this tiered program and, th- and then thought about, okay, what are different ways that we can thank our customers for getting involved at these different levels? And then as a customer uh, goes from the stage of you know being in the buying journey to now being a customer, implementing, and then hopefully a happy customer, how do we then get them involved in that same Um, referenceable continuum that got them to become a customer in the first place. So it's a pretty big program. It's something we've spent quite a while working on. Um, It's still early days for us, but we're, we're very excited about it. And I think that when I stopped thinking about referenceability as a as a binary problem and more about, okay, where are where is that customer on the continuum of referenceability? Suddenly it didn't seem like this you know, really huge mountain 
to overcome because getting reviews and references for your customers can be really tough in the B2B world, especially the larger the customer is. That is such a good point. And yeah, there is, wow, there's a lot that we can impact there. I think that's the future, right? Uh, very much so. And in terms of that program, I'm curious, like, do you, you know, within the different reference activities, is it even sort of a, you know, almost like a continuum or a, a infinite loop or a circle around the reference activities themselves as compared to like a funnel, right? Because like, I guess like in many respects, it's like, I know a lot of people think of their reference program as sort of like a funnel where it's like, okay, like here's the basics. And then they move down to kind of more, you know, involved asks. But lately I've been thinking, I'm like, yeah, even, uh, you know, that's just a little bit of an oversimplification of like the way we all actually, you know, act as references. Right. And and to your point. So yeah. yeah. So within that continuum, I guess, how do you think of the different asks and how you sort of move people or how people choose to move through the reference program, how how your customers choose to? Yeah. So whether it's a a line or a funnel, I mean, I don't, I I think either one can work. Um, I think what's really key though, is that you start with small discrete asks And as you create an environment where the customer, of course, is going to say yes to that, then they kind of move further and further along, whether that's a funnel or a line. So I'll give you an example. Let's say a customer signs, and then within that first week, you have somebody in, say, product marketing reach out to that customer and say, you know, congratulations for becoming a Malbec customer. We're so excited to have you be part of the family. Um, We think that there are some really interesting takeaways from your particular set of use cases. And I have put together one slide that captures my understanding of your buying journey. Would you be willing to look it over and tell me if it accurately captures what your company went through in making the decision to purchase Malbec? We would like to use this as an internal training tool as we onboard new account executives. So I'm not asking them to put their logo out there. I'm not asking them to say okay to a press re- a named press release. I'm not asking them to do anything public facing. I'm asking them to give me a, a checkbox of yes, does this story accurately reflect? And that becomes the the building block of what can come next. So even if they never get beyond yes, you may use my customer story to help train internally. We've still gotten value out of that. We can still use that from a messaging standpoint internally to get new reps onboarded. Um, I have another customer, uh, awesome, huge advocate of Malbec's. She is with a very large med device manufacturer, and their corporate policy is that they are completely unwilling to do anything named at all. I was still able to get this individual to come on our podcast and talk about her contract management challenges. We never mentioned the company that she was with, and she was able to share ways that she had transformed contract management within her organization. And we will be able to now take that podcast and we can turn that into the basis of a blind case study. So I think part of it is also just getting really creative and thinking outside of the box of how you can use customer stories One of the things I really appreciated from this analyst that I I mentioned a moment ago 
He said, don't be afraid of the blind case study. If you have a really meaty substantive story and you have to put a little disclaimer at the bottom that the name has been changed to, to protect the not so innocent based on corporate policy, everybody gets it. We, we all understand in the B2B world that larger companies are probably not going to give the okay, but there is still a really valuable story there to tell. And you can tell when it's in the own words of an actual customer. So I would say, get creative and just be really upfront and honest that, hey, this story could really benefit you, but we had to blind the name because we don't have authorization to use it in this way. But if you get further along in a sales cycle, we would be happy to connect you with this customer. I love that. I mean, th- those are two really, really good tactical takeaways for the listeners. I mean, I think the whole idea that, you know, the first one, like advocacy doesn't always need to be external to be to be valuable. It can and it can start small, right? That, that that's such a good example. It's they are still advocating for you. They're still adding value, but it's not, you know, it's really thinking outside the box from the, the typical kind of external ask. Yeah. And then yeah, but the levels of permission, that is that is a great one. I think, you know, the other thing is in many cases, I think you can sometimes like kind of toe that line where it's like 4,000 person company in X city in New Jersey in this <laughs> industry, right? It's like you legally like aren't saying who it is, but like anyone who wants to know or even like look the person up on LinkedIn, right? So it's like you can, there there can still be that social proof and that credibility, you know, and it's, well, it's technically blind, right? Because a- anyone can, if they wanted, could, you know, put together the dots. Sure. Yeah. And Becky, speaking of video, I know that at Melbeck, you made a pretty big transition from just strictly uh, written case studies to actually moving towards uh, customer videos. Um, I'm curious, just what did, what did you kind of learn in this process or what have been some of the, the functional kind of benefits that you realized from, you know, expanding those customer stories into video? So I think that there is a place for written customer stories in addition to doing video testimonials. Um, But I think the reality is everything is moving towards video more and more. When you think of, you know, the most popular up and coming social media platforms today, everything is gearing towards an expansion of video communication. And, you know, I I can't help but think about TikTok. And, you know, my I have teenage kids. And just yesterday, I had my daughter like walk me through exactly how creating a TikTok video works. And you may laugh because how I'm a marketer, how do I not know that? Well, I just, that's not a platform I really use in my job and haven't really used at all in my personal life. But when she explained it and how simple it was, it's really just taking the idea of video when you think of the YouTube craze, right? And it's just not gone away at all. It's made creating video content so much easier. We are wired to process visual information faster and retain it longer. So I think it just makes sense to ensure that your customer testimonial content is available in video format. You're you're also going to need some written as well. I think people like to be touched in different ways and some people are going to be more receptive to reading a case study. That's going to feel maybe more real or serious to them than maybe a video testimonial. But I would suggest interspersing the content as you're reaching out to your prospects and think about different ways to use 
your customer videos. I mean, we did recently did uh, an employee video, which is really about the culture of Malbec. But I see that as yet just another way to connect with our customers. So while it's not necessarily telling a customer story, it's telling the Malbec story in a way that is, you know, really emotionally connecting with the viewer and letting them know what is Malbec like? Who are these people that would be taking care of me? What do they value? It's putting a face to the name. And I think it helps make Malbec more real and more certain to them as they're watching that video. That's a great point in terms of the the employee video. And tell us a little bit more about that. So in addition to just kind of humanizing the people behind the brand, which has huge, you know, actual marketing value, are you also thinking about that for kind of recruitment marketing? Because I know that is like a big, um, you know, becoming a bit of a buzzword, right? As the talent landscape shifts and you know everyone's got to kind of market for recruiting more. But yeah, I guess, how are you thinking about using that employee kind of culture video, employee testimonial video? Yeah. So I'm looking at that video as a way to speak to a number of different audiences. When I think of you know, who the different groups are that may be coming to Malbec's website, you know, that could be uh, prospective employees, right? People who are looking to apply to open positions at Malbec. So it definitely gives them for a flavor of what Malbec is all about. I do think, though, that customers also and, and prospects look at things like the about page of a company. I know I do when I'm looking at purchasing software. I, I often will go and see who are the leaders and how do they represent themselves as a company? Is there diversity at that company? What are the values? What are the things they're talking? How do they speak about themselves? So I think it tells you a lot about the company. But, but, you know, partners will also be coming to our website too. And and for us, you know, given our stage of growth, investors, right? So it, it's speaking to a number of different audiences. And I think it was it's just an incredibly powerful tool. You know, what do they say? Like 93% of communication is nonverbal. So, I mean, think about what a disadvantage you're at if the only way you can communicate is through the written word. If we're able to communicate with facial expressions and body language, in addition to the words that we're speaking, there's going to be more layers to that communication. I love that. And it's so true, especially today. You know, it's like we don't just do business with companies. We, we do business with people. And, right. you know, if you're if you're a marketer, if you're a company and you're not sharing the, you know, the people behind the company, like like you guys are at Malbec, you know, you're really, you know, putting yourself at a disadvantage, you know. So kudos uh, to you and your team for doing that. In terms of marketing leaders who they they like what they're hearing, you know, they want to sort of catch up in terms of uh, customer stories and, and maybe employee stories as well, uh, specifically for video, you know, what advice would you give someone who is basically like, okay, I get it, you know, video is here to stay, you know, what advice would you give them to, to kind of get started? I would say call Testimonial Hero <laughs> because you guys make it so simple and affordable. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that, Becky. And that's exactly what we we strive to do. And it's honestly just been a pleasure working with with you and your team. And we're not slowing down. Customer storytelling is, is only becoming more important. So lots of good, exciting stuff. All right, folks, that's been a, another great episode of the State of Customer Storytelling 
uh, with Becky Holloway. A couple things I really wanted to underscore for the listeners there. This whole idea of a continuum of referenceability is so powerful. Just a, a small mindset shift that I think can really transform everything around you know how you build your reference program. Another great takeaway from this episode, you know, starting with uh, small discrete tasks, even something that is more of a internal advocacy activity, like getting a customer to give you some feedback on a slide and to be used in a training situation. It's still an advocacy activity that I think is just such a great tip that we can all use you know, remembering that not all advocacy is the the big external stuff, right? It can be valuable internal stuff as well. And then last but not least, levels of permission and in, in the blind case studies that they're actually, they can be still be extremely powerful. And, and especially when there's uh, specificity in them, right? The more detail, um, you know, it, it, it still can work really well. That's about it. We'll see you in another episode. And as always, if you like the show, like, share, subscribe. And if you have anyone you'd like to be a guest in the future, just shoot me an email. My email is sam at testimonialhero.com. That's all for now. And we'll see you in the next episode.